Greetings from Bishop Aubrey Shines and G2G Ministries in Tampa, Florida. We pray that you would be blessed and encouraged by the biblical message you are about to hear. Today's classic sermon from Bishop Shines is part five of What Stage of Maturity Are You? with reference scripture Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14 in the Amplified Classic Translation. Lord, I, I, this is going to be a challenge for so many of you. Again, if you were not here, if you have not heard the series of stage one, stage two, and now we're in stage three. If you have not heard stage one and stage two, I'm begging you to get to CD. You need to know the word of the Lord. Your stage, wherever you are spiritually, is going to be almost the thermometer that measures your ability to reach or not reach what God has for you. It depends on the stage that you're at. How many know a little small child cannot reach up to the top to grab things? It doesn't mean he's not or she's not a great child, but they're just not of age to do to reach up. As you grow in the Lord, you're allowed to reach into areas that you would not be able to reach in. Stage one, Stage two, you cannot reach to get things. Stage three, you can get it. And so it's going to challenge you. I'm warning you. It's going to challenge you. And please don't pretend that you're something that you're not. It's a horrible thing to do. It really is. Let's go into the word of the Lord. Let's go to the book of Hebrews for this one. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. Let me see. Let's go to, let's go to the Amplified translation Hebrews 5 Hebrews 5 and we're going to start at uh, verse number uh, let's go to 11 I think that's a solid place Hebrews 5 verse number 11 and we're going to read this together all the way through to the very end that's Hebrews 5 verse number 11 after you have read this with me please remain standing Please remain standing after we have read the word of the Lord together. In the Amplified Translation, beginning at verse number 11, come on, read with the pastor. Concerning this, we have much to say, which is hard to explain. Since you have become dull in your spiritual hearing and sluggish, even slothful in achieving spiritual insight. For even though by this time you ought to be teaching others you actually need someone to teach you over again the very first principles of God's word. You have come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who continues to feed on milk is obviously inexperienced and unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will and purpose, thought, and action. For he is a mere infant not able to talk yet. But solid food is for full-grown men, for those whose senses and mental are trained by practice to discriminate and distinguish between what is morally good and noble and what is evil and contrary either to divine or human law. Man, that's so powerful. Grab someone by the hand. 
before you take your seat, please look at him and or her eyeball to eyeball. Please be sincere with them and ask them, how mature are you? Ask them in these last few weeks, have you found yourself? Stage one, stage two. Boy, y'all sound good. Be seated. I'm, I'm going to leave you hanging right there. Y'all are sounding good. Let me give you a little quick backdrop of this. You're going to need this. I personally recommend that every one of you on this week, please go back and read all of chapter 5 in the book of Hebrew. Read it from multiple translations. If you have to, you really do need to know the word of the Lord because this chapter encompasses really the issue of the priesthood. And if you understand that, which is a very mature teaching anyway, you're going to find that it gets into uh, the priest Melchizedek, what he represented, why he represented what he did, how Christ is actually the order after the order of Melchizedek. And, and in order to understand even the office that Christ is currently in, I'm losing some of you here. Jesus is still doing work, people. The Bible says, for he forever liveth, while he sits at the right hand of the Father, he ever liveth to make intercession. In other words, touch someone on the shoulder and tell them Jesus is praying for you even now. So Jesus still, even though the earthly ministry, when he was physically walking is over, there's still a earthly ministry going on, and that earthly ministry is you and I. Because we are his body that is still in the earth. But the head of our body, Christ, is sitting at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession. So chapter 5 is going to kind of give you some insight to all that. And I want to say this. This is not in my notes. But I do want you to hear pastor's heart. If you are a Christ follower, if you call yourself a Christian, and you have zero time to study and to know, and I'm going to go further. If you don't desire the word of the Lord, in other words, if you don't have a studying life at some point in that day, a few minutes, a few moments, somewhere in that week where you're not giving some real dedication to knowing the word of the Lord. I'm not challenging your Christianity, but what I am telling you is that you're a very immature believer. Don't shout me down. Because a believer that does not study the word cannot know what God's word is in their life. And if the Lord is calling you to be able to reach up to the top shelf to get the things that you have need of, then you're never going to get it simply because you don't know what direction he wants you to go in. You don't know how far he wants you to reach. And so the reason I'm trying to really uh, kind of press this in your spirit is because I really believe that, especially in America, we have really lost a zeal for knowing the word of God. There was a time 30 some years ago at least that I can speak of that when we got together we didn't have to be entertained our Fridays were not always consisting of going bowling or hanging out nothing wrong with all that stuff but several of us would get together 
And as broke as we were, we would put our little pennies and our dollars together and we would buy books and we would buy commentaries and we would buy anything to give us some help as related to knowing the word of the Lord because there was a hunger that was so deep in us that nothing else was filling. Uh, We had good jobs, we had good relationships, but there was always a void there if you didn't know the word of the Lord. Parents, please hear me. I, I want to say this in, this in the form of correction. I'm not saying this because Bishop John Allen Neal said this, but he said something that was good when he was here. And I want to echo it again. It doesn't mean we're not going to have our, our children's church and all that stuff again. We'll get all that stuff again. But as a parent, if your desire to be a part of a church is only contingent upon whether or not your child has a child's church to go to, you are in stage one yourself. Because the way the Bible is actually written, can you imagine for just a moment, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have children's church. Y'all know that just started in the last 30-some years. And, well, you didn't know it. Let me help you. It just started in the last few decades. And so I know they always had Sunday school. But, but there was no real children's church in one regard. These things were developed uh, for a purpose. And that was, and I know the history of it, a lot of it was developed to make that church more marketable. And so the parents could come in on a Sunday morning and kind of have a quick little vacation away from the kids and put them over in children's church somewhere, and they could sit there at least for two hours and wouldn't be totally interrupted. But the mind of God is, look at, let me, how many parents do I have here? If you're not able to teach your own children, when is it your time to sit around the kitchen table? I'm trying to help some of y'all grow up here. When is your time to sit around the table or somewhere in your house and, and have, I don't care if it's just 10 or 15 minutes, we have a little Bible study that's going on. And that way, when your children are older, they won't depart from the way. And they won't need to be entertained. We, again, I'm not against having children's church. Please don't leave here and tell me that. But I'm trying to help some of you all understand that one of the reasons you're really here is, is to grow you up and and make you stop depending on things that make you feel good and some so many things that are going on in churches are making kids feel good well my children learn so much pastor shines when they are in the bible well what are they learning in your house because if they're learning it in church but you're cursing them out in the house you're going to confuse them anyway let me come back over here so we we got to deal with some real reality stuff if we're really going to grow up to deal with some things here. So stage three, I'm about to take you on a mature journey that I pray would change your life forever. Touch your neighbor and say, I think I'm ready to go. Come on. All right. I hope y'all meant that because some of y'all going to repent after some of these things have happened here. So let me, let's go back to the word here and I'm going to give you just a few things. Now, if you don't mind, let me have uh, let's go back to the same verse of scripture, but let's go to it in the King James Version. I want to show you something here. Let's go to it in the King James Version. Verse, just let's go to verse, uh, let's just go to verse number 12, but let's go into KJV for just a moment because there's one word I do want to highlight here. Everyone look up at the screen, please, or unless you have it in your lap. For when, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God keep that scripture up right after that word God there's a semicolon so it's giving you the concept that there was something else that had already been taught over a year ago I took 50 weeks in this ministry 
and gave you these first oracles called the basic doctrines of Christianity. And if you want to know basic doctrine, go back and get to CDs and you'll feel like you're in school learning that. So Paul is, he, again, he's reflecting this thing over and over. And, and I love the way he puts it. Right after the semicolon there, he says, and are become such as have need of not milk, but note the next uh, few words here, but a mature believer should desire strong meat. Please underline that. Let's go on a quick little journey here. I want to give you a few Greek words that I know is going to help you really, really get this here. So uh, part of the Greek word is, is the word uh, stereos. And, and, and this Greek word is so powerful. I, I, I began to uh, research this a long time ago. Uh, but when going back over some of my years and years ago notes, I began to see some things. Have you ever read the scripture and you go back over and you see a whole nother set of things that you didn't see before? That's God's way of giving you something or revealing something. It's nothing new, by the way. But God allows us, this is going to sound familiar, we grow and go from glory to glory. So we're constantly climbing up uh, in the eyes of God when we constantly make these deposits. So part of the word uh, strong meat, it comes from this Greek word, but let me give you part of the definition. And every one of you, please write down uh, these definitions. So when, it, when you read this word strong meat, it means to be firm. It, and, 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 this, and, and I love this because I did a complete study on it. It doesn't just mean stereos. It comes from another Greek word, hematis. And, and I love the way that this is broke down because the English doesn't give us all of this the way that this does. And I just think this is fascinating. So here's another part of the definition. It means, and please record this, it means to be in the presence of others. I need you to record it all. It means to be in the midst, that's M-I-D-S-T, in the midst, because I have braces and my S's are sounding like it's in stage one. All right, here we go. So it means, uh, it means to be in the presence of others. It means to be in the midst. And it also means, this is going to get you, if you're a strong meat eater, please write this down. Again, this is the definition. It also means to be before the judges or the rulers. <laughs> I love it. The original idea was to be before the rulers of the Sanhedrin courts. But I love this next two lines here. Please write it down. It also means to be able to escape. Be able to escape in safety. And there's a difference in escaping, but escaping in safety. It also means to uphold or sustain the authority and this is going to get you, it means to be able to uphold and to be able to abstain the, the force, and this is powerful, the, sustain the authority or force of anything. In other words, whatever hits you when you are a strong meat eater, you can sustain it. It doesn't matter what the force is, you got it. It's in you. So no matter what hits you hard, no matter how often it hits you, no matter uh, the, con the consistency of it, when you are a strong meat eater, when you're in stage three, you can handle it. Give someone a high five and tell them, don't high five me unless you get this thing. Come on. Man, we're going to have fun with this stuff here. 
because I, I, I'm warning you now. We write down the, de- let's go back over the definition. I want to make sure you got it. Can we put that up, uh, Josh, for everybody, son? I, I just want to make sure that everybody gets it. So, again, let's go back to uh, the definition. They're going to put it up. And some of you all have gotten real wise. I like some of the things that you all are doing. I look out sometime when these definitions up. If you're not writing fast enough, you're taking your phone and click, and you're clicking the notes. That's, I love it. Good for you. I, that's one way to get it. But don't just click the notes. Get the notes in your spirit. It's okay to click, but go home and study that thing. That way you'll know what you're saying when you read that I'm a strong meat eater. That way you'll give definition to what you've clicked. All right? So let's go back over it. So, I mean, strong meat is, is again, it's the Greek word stereos, uh, which, which comes from histemi. It, mean, uh, it means in the presence of others. It means in the midst. It means to be able to be before judges, before the Sanhedrin. And, again, that was for their day. But it also means to be able to escape. In safety, it means to uphold or sustain the authority or force of anything. So no matter what comes against you, no matter what level, and really this is demonic stuff here as well. It means that no matter what level of demonic influence hits you. Well, how many levels is it, Pastor? That's stage two talking. We'll get you over to stage three. Because the higher you go up, it's a whole nother level of authority you deal with. What, what you deal with in stage one and stage two is not what you deal with in stage three. Stage three would deal with you a whole different kind of a way. And even the battles that you deal with in stage three are deeper than stage two. Stage two, and I've laid that out. I'm not going back over it. You have to get to CD. But stage two has its own uh, dynamic as it relates to the kind of enemies that come after you. When you start eating strong meat, it's a whole nother level of demonic activity. Somebody just said, well, I just think I, 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 I'm struggling with stage two demons. I, ain't, I don't even want to go to stage three. Well, you're going to cheat yourself. Because if God wants to get you up to the next place, Listen, he's able to sustain you while you're in it, but you still have a job you got to do. And if we're not doing our part, then we can't turn around and blame God for what we think is not going on in our lives where it was really God that allowed certain things to happen. I didn't say he did it, but there are some things that happen in our lives that God says, okay, I didn't create it. It's the work of the enemy doing it. Well, Pastor, I need some scripture. All right, stage two, let me give you some scripture. If you go back and read the story of Job, you'll see it. Job did not know that God was dealing with him a certain kind of way. As a matter of fact, when you study the original text, you realize that during that time, they didn't even consider the the devil. As a matter of fact, my friends that are Orthodox Jews, they still don't believe in the devil because they just believe that whatever happens in life is just God, period. So they had really the concept that Job had. Job did not know that Satan had come before the throne of God and, and the Lord asked Satan, hey, Satan, even though God knew the answer, where you been? Demon responded to the father and said, well, I've been out in the earth. In other words, I've been looking to destroy some of your folk down there. And, and, and God, knowing all things, says to the demonic, says, well, have you considered my servant Job? And, and, and the Satan responded, well, I did, but you have a protection around him. And, and, but if you take that protection down, I make that boy curse you, God. 
And so God says, all right, we're going to see. And so then Job is used to defy the devil, but Job didn't know he was being used even by God. And so God is up there dealing with Job in a certain kind of way. Job don't know it, but Job did come to a conclusion, even though it wasn't a conclusion that he should have come to, but it was a conclusion all of us would have come to, even though Job, now I want y'all to get this, Job lost everything. That should give you an insight that God is the one who gives you stuff. But when you lose something, it is the work of the devil. Touch someone and say, then I'm going to get back everything then that's been taken from me. And when everything was stripped from him and Job had lost his wife. See, some of y'all would die right there. I prayed for years to get me a husband. Ah, now he's dead. I ain't talking to God no more. Stage one, honey. Because when you're stage one, you say all that stuff. But when you're in another stage, you realize, I don't know what's going on. Job came to that realization. Job said, I don't know what happened. So he came to the conclusion and said, God, even though you may slay me, yet I'm going to trust you. See, that's a stage three that a lot of folk can't even deal with. Reach over and give someone a high five and tell them, but you're going to grow up if you're a member here. Come on. I just thought I'd drop a little job on y'all while I was passing by. That's all. I, I want y'all to see some things here. So let's go back. And, and I want to give you a few notes here. And I really want you to see this. I believe it's really going to help you. I, I just do. So this is the definition uh, that's been given. Uh, but there are some other things that I need you to understand. So now let's go back to Hebrews 5. But this time instead of the Amplified. Uh, well, let's go back to the Amp. We'll go back to the Amp. I think you'll see some things in the Amp. Uh, that maybe I intentionally kind of went by real quick here. So again, look with me if you don't mind at, at verse number uh, 11. Let's go back to verse number 11. And, and, and don't go to verse 10. Let me just read it. It says, being designed and recognized and saluted by God as high priest after the order of the rank of Melchizedek. Now when Paul was trying to explain this, and this is why I got to pause here for a moment. Paul is teaching this order about the priesthood to the believers. So imagine if Paul was here right now, he'd be teaching us, if, if we were learning this lesson about the priesthood, Paul was up talking. And Paul is trying to explain to the believers about the order of Melchizedek. Something happened in Paul where the Holy Ghost must have dealt with him. That is him talking about Paul's spirit in him. Paul then discerned, wait a minute, I'm trying to teach y'all something. And he says, but y'all are dull. Y'all are not even able to get this thing. As a matter of fact, in, instead of being on this level of meat, I just come to the realization y'all need to go back and and learn this stuff and start drinking milk all over again. That, that would be Paul rebuking us right now. So Paul, come on, let's follow this because I want you to see this, people of God. So Paul is kind of rebuking them uh, because he says, uh, even the, and, and look at verse number 10, 11 rather. Now, after you just kind of begin to tell them about how you need to understand the order of the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, then he goes to verse number 11. Again, let's go back to the amp. He says, now, concerning this, we have much to say but he said, it's hard to explain since you've become dull in your spiritual hearing. I need you to get something. Please write this down. You can be at stage three, but regress back to a prior stage. He never said they were not there. He said, these things you should know. But, but I'm discerning that you've kind of fallen off the wagon. 
Here's a word I want everyone to write down. Please write it down. It is called redundancy or repetition. If you are not given to being repetitive in what you do, I'm talking only to Christians now. If church is no more than for you to come here and find a boyfriend, a girlfriend, you ain't, this, you ain't, this ain't going to make sense to you because you want God to do one thing, hook you up with a brother or hook you up with one of the sisters. And if you ain't ready to study and get to deep things of God, you may get that brother or you may get that sister. But when you wake up, hallelujah to the lamb of God you'll say I should have reached up for a higher level than this but you can't reach to where you're not yourself yeah, some of y'all are just see I just some of y'all just went sluggish on me I want him to prophesy I've done seen his videos. He done prophesied to kings and laid hands on presidents. And he's an accurate prophet. We got a pastor who's a prophet. When is he going to just move out in the gifts? I mean, I like the teaching and everything. I, I, I like the way he teaches. He's a very eloquent young man. He speaks so well. He articulates his words. But I want to see him move in the Holy Ghost. I want to see him move in the Holy Ghost. I got videos of Pastor Shines moving in the Holy, he had a head full of hair, child. Maybe that anointing has left off to him, and maybe he ain't, a, he ain't no more anointment like he used to be. That's why I've been going to another church on Wednesday and Fridays because at least over at that church, I can get hands laid on me. But you don't know anything, you, you getting gifts stirred in you, but you're as crazy as you were the day that I met you. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. See, strong meat makes you deal with some stuff. Look at some of the folk that don't want to say, man, just sitting there looking up. Ain't nothing up. You ain't seeing no angels. Some of y'all just looking. Oh, praise the Lord. You ain't, if an angel appeared, some of y'all would just faint. Others would put your little Baptist finger up and march out one of these little exit doors here. Some of y'all with your grown folk self would go home and put your nightlight on. Pretend it's one of your grandkids or your kid. I'm just, I, I need, to, I've been getting up late in the night anyway. I don't want to stumble if I have to go to the restroom. You scared. Or as they say in Alabama, you're scared. See, strong meat will make you deal with some stuff. And then you can have everybody prophesying and prophesying over your life. You can go to the church that will make you feel good, baby. When you leave there, you go, ooh, I feel, now see, that's, uh, I wish G to G was just like that. Honey, we ain't like anything. We are who we are. I deal with issues that most men run from. I ain't boasting but in the Lord when I say that. Most men wouldn't dare touch the stuff I talk about. How dare you support people that are deemed racist? Prophet shines ignorant. If I read y'all one of the emails I just got from a pastor, I know him too. I ought to read it and read it and put it and send it to him. I'm thinking, give me a moment, point your hands this way. Some of y'all that want me to do it, say do it. The others that say, please don't do it. I knew Dr. Hans, Joan Hans, we go, don't do it, Pastor. Man, I feel like Paul right now. I'm torn between two opinions. I'm betwixt two. I wrote him back, Dr. Beckman, and I told him, I said, if you are as ignorant as you're writing me, then your congregation must be a bunch of dummies. I did say that. 
<laughs> he wrote me back. He said, you, you know, you don't sound like a man of God. I said, I'm more of a man than your mother ever has been. I did say it. I should not have said it. Come on, Reg, give me some. Come on, come on. <laughs> All right. I, I was just kidding. But I, I have a relationship with him. See, now, so, see, see, look at some of you all. Stage two. I can't believe you talk like that. You all talk, y'all talk deeper than I talk. I just keep it real on another level. That's all. You know, I, I'm of the generation where we always have had to have like a one up. I'm not part of the millennial generation. Y'all don't take positions in the millennial generation. We take, we took positions. We died for what we believe in or we just whatever. So y'all don't take that. Don't y'all leave here and go, well, that's just unbecoming of a bishop. Well, when you becometh a bishop, <laughs> then you can stand up here or I'll come to your church and you can do it the way more eloquently that it should have been done. I like having fun. Over here, I like having fun. And I think it's all right to have some. If you don't think certain things are funny, I give you a test. Give me 30 seconds of your time and I'll prove my point. I don't mean it. I want everyone to be quiet and look at the person sitting next to you, but don't open up your mouth. Come on. Don't you, oh, don't say a word. Just look at them. Keep looking at them. Don't look off. Don't look off. Don't look off. Keep looking. Keep looking. Keep looking. See, some of y'all ain't even looking. <laughs> you know what goes on when you look at someone? You can't help but to laugh. Not because they look funny. It's just, it's just something in us. We all have a little kid in us somewhere. I'm losing some of you. You know how many know it's, it's, we shouldn't laugh at people when they hurt? Come on. You know, we, we know that. You don't laugh at someone when they hurt. But how many would still confess if you see someone slip on... Now, you won't, you won't do it if they're older. You go, oh, Lord, Jesus. But if you see someone walking, a little kid, and they slip, your, your first thing, Deaconess Ursula, ain't praise the Lord. Oh, I wonder. You start laughing. You can't help yourself. Can I, can I, can I V off the, the, the train here for just a moment? Is it just me, Charles? Does anybody else still watch cartoons once in a while? Oh, y'all too big for it. You know, original cartoons, by the way, was for adults. It really had, you go back and watch all the old Bugs Bunny stuff. That wasn't for kids. It was for adults. It was adult content. I'm losing some of y'all. I just, see, some of y'all are so deep. I'm trying to get you to lose it. Touch your neighbor and say, loosen up, for God's sake. Tell them it's okay to smile. It ain't gonna hurt you. Some of y'all look like y'all done climbed up every lemon tree. And hit every branch going down. You wouldn't smile if, if Jesus told you to smile. I just think it's all right to laugh. That's why I'm laughing at Carice and Ryan right now. Did I say that out loud? Yes, I did. Let's go back to the word. Come on. Concerning what we... Let's go back to verse 11. Because I, I, I really want you to get it. This is several weeks here. And stage three is going to really grow you. It's going to provoke... Listen, I'm warning you. It's going to really provoke you. My job is really to do that. I want to provoke you to grow up. And if I can provoke you to grow up, it's going to change your life forever. You know what it's going to really do? It's going to open you and have, you're going to have, 
you're going to have a, a spiritual awakening that's going to be so deep, you'll learn how to grab things in the spirit. And then when I say things about grabbing in the spirit, it won't be foreign to you. If I say it to some of you all right now, you're going to try to ask, well, what does it mean to grab in the spirit? Because stage one and stage two don't understand this kind of language. That's why Paul said, I want to explain this stuff to you all. He said, but you all are dull. I don't even know if you can handle what I'm talking. He says, he said, it's hard for me to explain it. Yet Paul was one of the most eloquent men. You want to read a good argument? Go read when Paul stood. Uh, where were we at, Kim? In Greece at Mars Hill. Go read uh, when Paul was at Mars Hill in the book of Acts and read how he argued and debated with the philosophers of that day. But yet he comes over here and he's saying, look, I'm just trying to explain some basic, what I thought would be basic priesthood stuff. He said, but y'all are slow. In other words, you've lost something along the way. And I'm going to show you why they lost it in just a moment. Go back to verse 11. I'll, I'll continue. Concerning this, he says, we have much to say, which is hard to explain. He says, since you've become. Now, how many know if you become something, it doesn't mean that you were always that. If you become strong, it means that at some point you were not strong. If you become weak, it means at some point you were strong, but you became weak. So Paul is giving us some real good insight here. Go again to verse number 11. And you'll see it yourself. He says, you become dull in your spiritual hearing and sluggish, even slowful in achieving spiritual insight. You're slow to get it. For even though by this time you ought to be teaching others, you actually need someone to teach you over again the very first principles of God, uh, God's word. You have come to need milk. In other words, you didn't just digress to stage two. You went all the way back to stage one. He said, and not solid food. For everyone who continues to feed on milk is obviously inexperienced and unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness, of conformity. I want to give you something here, and I'm going to be toggling back and forth, but I do want you to write this down, and I won't be able to finish all of it, but please write this down. There are several signs, please write this, there are several signs that will determine whether or not you can eat strong meat. If you want to put it another way, there are several signs where your body, this is probably a better way for you to keep up with me, where your body will tell you, I'm speaking naturally right now, but I'm going to make it spiritual. There are several ways to tell whether or not your body can handle meat. There are several signs that are involved. I found this so fascinating several years ago. I was doing a conference uh, with a, 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 several pastors, uh, leaders uh, up on the East Coast. And I actually use this same illustration, even though I was dealing with spiritual gifts, I use the same analogy, and I pray that you get it the way that they got it as well. There are several things that happens to your physical body that when you put meat in it, there is a process that your digestive tract goes through if you are a meat eater. No one write me after service. I have no intention of ever becoming a vegetarian. So if that's your thing, God bless you. I'm not mad at you. But Jesus, I know ate fish. And I know he ate lamb for he is the lamb of God. And if he wanted me to be a vegetarian, he would have been the broccoli of the Lord or the asparagus of God. But he's the lamb of God. Because it goes back to the Old Testament. So y'all don't write me, please. I'll respond. But I'll respond to you in stage three language. Just a little FYI. 
One of the things that happen in your physical body, I'm going to give you scripture for this in just a moment, and let's get ready to go over 2 Corinthians in the New Living Translation. One of the things that happens to the physical body, but I'm going to make this spiritual here, is that when you eat strong meat, but your body cannot handle it, one of the signs you cannot handle it is that your blood pressure goes up. That's a sign. That's your blood pressure. Go with me to the NLT real quick. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. So pull it up on the screen for me. 2 Corinthians 4 in the NLT. I'm talking about high blood. What makes our body go up here? Please, everyone, look at Pastor real quick. Even though I'm using this as a natural analogy, I want you all to get this. I'm speaking spiritually as well when a person who should be eating meat cannot digest it there are reasons that the body will reject it second corinthians 4 the nlt let's go to verse number eight i think it's around verse number eight let's go to it <clears throat> i want you to see this here he says we are as a matter of fact you all read this with me you need to get the word in you come on read with pastor we are pressed on every side by what? But we are not. We are what? But not what? Let's go to the next verse while we're there. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down. Go to verse 10. Through suffering, our bodies do what? Continue to share in the death of Jesus so that our life of Jesus may also be seen where go back to the top of that verse eight one more time i want you to see something people a person that is able to eat strong meat you need to take notice of this it's right here in the scripture if you are a person that you become pressed on every side of your life look at the rest of it and it doesn't crush you you are walking in stage three. But if life's pressures, children, relationships, money is funny. Nothing seems to work out for you. And it crushes you. You don't know if you're coming or going you begin to retreat from folk don't want to be around anybody it seems like pastor if i could just be by myself i'm more better more better somebody caught that see if the pressure look at pastor if the pressure of life, I've seen this in ministry for years. I have friends. I love these guys. These guys, and I mean this, this is, this is not hyperbole on my part. Some of these guys are really anointed for real, for real. I grew up with a group of guys, man. These, we fast and we pray. These guys had visions and they were good. I mean, accurate. Some of these guys were, I mean, some of them were some, the most eloquent speakers. They had a almost seeming to me like a natural proclivity to be able to stand up and, 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 and speak and grasp the language just pow. 
powerful. I mean, they could move audiences. I mean, they were really good at it. Some of them could do it with various methods. You know, some could just teach it. Others could get a B3 organ and, and, and preach it and just tear the house down. Boy, you'd leave out of there sweating, crying. But they themselves, when pressure came, some of them turned to alcohol. Several of them I knew went backwards and began to smoke weed again. I'm telling you what I know. Some of them got strung out, especially during the epidemic of crack. They got strung out smoking crack. Others got strung out doing things that uh, one in particular is going on to be with the Lord. But he was so accurate. And in, in, uh, I did a few meetings with him across the nation. And they would bring us in. They would have like teams of prophets and that sort of thing. And, and, and he was, <laughs> he, boy, he was so good. This, this boy could walk the aisle. And I mean, never been in a place. And just, boom, he hit with precision like a missile, guided missile. But, but he struggled with gambling. He'd leave the meeting. Don't put him in a city where there's a casino. Oh, Y'all are looking at me funny. Oh, you shouldn't tell that. Oh, honey, this is helping somebody here. He would literally put on a disguise because he's so well known. And, 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 and <laughs> he'd wear those uh, false dreads. Put him on a little Jamaican hat boy, you know, and, and go into the casinos with his glasses blue because he didn't want nobody to see him that may have known him because of the level of his gifting. But he struggled with that was just an outward manifestation. What was going on the inside? He was dealing with some personal issues that that had hit him so hard. He just couldn't. He couldn't face it. And he'd call me every once in a while. Prophet, I need to talk to you. And we had a little running joke between us. He said he would, I got two friends, about three friends like that still to this day. Because I was the younger of all the young prophets. He'd call me and say, hey, where's my minor friend at? I was a minor prophet. They, would, they called themselves the major prophet. <laughs> and they would say, what is Habakkuk? I mean, they would use scripture to make their points and that sort of thing. And I'd fly because I was still a brother and a friend to him. Watch this. See, stage three lets you know when someone's in trouble without me coming there with this judgment thing. I just saw a friend that was in trouble and went, I got to help my friend right now. Because I, I knew the hand of God was just wild upon this man. But, but the pressure of his, of his inward life was too much for him to bear. He could see what was going on before he could get home. And because he could see it, he couldn't deal with it. And in his mind, he went through a thing, well, if they know I can see it, why are they doing this to me? And the pressure, that thing was too much. So pressure deals with all of us. Some of you all deal with the pressure of why you're not in relationship. Oh, I'm going to stay here. Because when you get quiet on me, I get louder. Why is it nothing seems to work out for me? And there's some of you so sadiddy because you've been together for 800 years. Nobody want to be like you anyway. You 800 years and you're miserable. I'd rather be with someone two days and be happy than to be you miserable. Get over yourself. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. 
I'm trying to help some of you grow up. These are realities. All of us in here deal with stuff somewhere. Hear me. Listen, listen, listen. It's not that you're not going to deal with it. The issue is how do you handle it? Does the pressure crush you? Watch this. Or do you crush the pressure? Go back to the scripture. Some of y'all need to get, I'm going to take my time in this, people, because this is what Paul was dealing with. He was dealing with issues like that. Please do a life study of Paul. Look at the hell that man went through. God's using this man mightily, and he's getting whipped. He's getting beat. Folk don't like him. People are doing all kind of whack stuff to this man, but yet he stayed focused on what God had called him to do. I know if I'd have been Paul, my thoughts would have been thinking, at least in stage two, I must not be doing what God wants me to do because if I'm doing everything God wants me to do, why are these folks stoning me? My thoughts would be, if they don't, you only hear what I got to say, go to another church. And they would stay with Paul and John and these guys, and they would say, look, even the spirit of Antichrist has already crept in. Man, what a growing up position to have. Go back to the scripture. He says, we're pressed on every side by troubles. He said, but it don't crush us. See, everyone say stage three. He says, we're perplexed, but we're not what? If you are a person, oh, hear me, this is going to get hot. If you always got to be encouraged, always, you just get discouraged over anything. Yo, toe hurt, pray for me. My eyes itching, pray for me. I'm just... I think they're going to come against me at my job. Pray for me. Honey, if the footsmen have wearied you. Well, what does that mean? That's in the scripture. See, stage three people know the references of scriptures, by the way. If the footsmen have weary you, how are you going to contend with the chariots? How are you going to deal with the strong horses in your life? Oh, stay there, Pastor Shines. If, if people deal with you in such a way that you avoid them, Stay there, Pastor Shines. Stay right there. You walk past folk. Everybody, don't say a word. Take your one finger, put it up, and just twirl it around and think this thought, stage one. See, you didn't went all the way back. You ain't even in stage two. You didn't went back to infancy here. See, when, when, when you allow people to dictate how you respond, you may want to get this, people. If you allow people to dictate your response, you're not in stage three. Well, Pastor Shines, they just don't like me. And what's new? Don't treat them the Listen, don't treat them the way they're treating you. Love them in spite of them. Uh, and a mature person would go, it's okay if you don't like me. I love you with the love of the Lord. I'm okay if you talk about me. I got leaders. I had leaders. I know folk <laughs> that, that will forever be critical of. Listen, if people are always critical of you, can I tell you a different way to look at this? Look at it like you, God must really be using you. Because why are you always an issue when that group of folk get together and you're the topic? Don't, don't fall into despair over that. Rejoice. Be happy. God is using you. You're the topic. Give someone a high five and tell them, I'm, I'm going to change the way I think. 
But if you respond to them because you know it, don't let God use you or don't let God let somebody let you know that somebody is saying about you. Can I help some of you? Whatever dog brings the bone is carrying the bone too. So if they're bringing that mess to you, you better ask yourself, oh, I better stay right here. Let, let, can I stay here for just another 30 seconds at least? Here's another sign because it's right here in the original text. And I'm just going to give it to you. I don't have time to give the Greek word here for it. But let me give you this. Here's an analogy. Everyone needs to know if somebody can come to you but don't want to tell you who sent them. Or if somebody is speaking on behalf of the group. If somebody says, I need to say something, Brother Bobby, to you. I want you to know, Brother Bobby, not Sister Barbara. I'm just going to say this. Everybody's saying this. But I don't come to you and say, who's saying it? Don't you believe the person that came? Because a mature stage three person would say, you know what? Uh, Elder Jerry and I were talking and we believe such and such. But if I cannot bring his name into the equation, I, you better watch me. I'm not at stage three. So when someone, listen, listen, when someone speaks on the behalf of a group that they want to remain silent, they are not at stage three preaching here man they are still <laughs> at stage one mm, yeah yeah come on now if you can't tell me what they said and who was there don't tell me nothing anything I'm not interested don't be I help you write it down this way. If you are someone's water boy or water girl, stop carrying the water. Listen, you will never get in the team being the water boy. The water boy girl has a design. They're to help the players that are out there playing. They run out in time out time and they squirt them down with water. It's nothing wrong with being that. But if you are one of the main players... You, your job is not to carry the water. So if you can go to somebody, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm tearing up some stuff in here, boy. If you can go to folk and not bring who was in that meeting to the meeting. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. <laughs> Carice, I won't tell them the rest of my lyrics. I've changed a song in my home, but that's a whole other issue. <sighs> People of God, when you can't speak and you can't bring the people that were in that were speaking, it's a sign you're not growing up. Can I help some of you all here, G to G? Don't let people come to you with that mess. Stop. I'm trying to grow some of y'all up, people. And if you see, if you can learn this lesson here, you can take it to the outside to your job. That way, when you go to job, you won't be part of the number that's catty. Don't don't be part of the group at your job where you're talking about the, the all the folk in there. Because, listen, somebody's talking about you. But if you learn the lesson in the house, then you can go outside of the house 
and do the will of God. See, do you know what the purpose in part of the church was? Is that the people could learn the way that Christ was in the house. That way they could go to the world and demonstrate Christ outside of that local synagogue, outside of that local church. But if you don't know how to do it here, how are you going to do it on the outside? Come on, let's go to the word. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I know I'm taking a long time with this, but there's so much in this. And, and I'd rather not just say, here's a Greek word and you write it down. I'm trying to give you some lived out examples here of how to really, really do this. It's going to help you grow. How many really want to grow and do what God has called you to do? Touch someone and say, I really want to grow up. I don't want to be in stage one or two all my life. Can I give you another one about this whole high blood? Go, same NLT, same uh, book, Paul's second letter over there in Corinth. But go to uh, 11, chapter 11. And I'm going to stop right here because I, I don't, time is not going to let me keep going here. Second Corinthians, the 11th chapter, the 8th through the 16th verse. I'm still talking about your body going through this high blood thing because your body's rejecting strong meat. I don't know if that's what I really want. No, that's not what I want. I apologize. I looked at it and thought, no, that's not it. I wrote some notes for you. Um, I'll come back to it. Uh, just go back to four and eight. I'll finish right there. I'll finish right there. That's second Corinthians four and eight. One more time. Just really, really quick. And then we go through nine to then we'll, we'll wrap it up right here again. If you want to know if your body can handle strong meat, it's because you can deal with the pressure that comes on every side of your life and you can deal with troubles, but it'll never crush you. I don't care how perplexed you'll never be driven to despair. In other words, you may not understand what's going on. Please hear me. Please hear pastor. Please write this down. In stage three, your spiritual understanding is not always required, but you trusting God is. I need to say that one more time. Keep that up. Your spirit, your understand, I, don't, I just don't understand what God is doing. Listen, you don't have to understand what he's doing. You just got to trust he knows what he's doing. It, yeah, I, but I don't understand what's going on. Your understanding is not required. Your trusting is required. If he's a good father, you know he's going to be good to you. If he's been good to you, you know he's been good to you. Nobody can take that away from you. So again, don't let it perplex you. I'm so perplexed. I, I don't know what's going to happen in my life. I just don't know where I'm going. I just know that God wants me to do something. I just, I, I, I just don't know where it is. Relax. Chill out, for God's sake. God's got this thing. Can you go to verse number nine? I got to wrap up. Let me be transparent. I received a lot of prophetic words when I was young that I was going to be doing some of the things that I'm doing. And even though I received those words from outside prophetic men and women that were so key in my life, many of several of them, at least you know, uh, to be on TV. How many? Well, I better not bring up any names. I'll leave the name thing out. But there were men and women that would come and wherever I was, I would always be one of the ones that they would call out and minister to. So not only was this thing in my spirit. It was also in the spirit of the men and women that God would lead that had a real prophetic gift and they would begin to minister to me a certain kind of way. And so when they did, I was filled 
with a, an anticipation of wanting to do God's will. I'm trying to help somebody here. And, and, and this is real ministry talk, people. I'm trying to help you. And even though I was filled with this and these prophetic words had come and God would deal with me in dreams and I knew the voice of the Lord God would use me in the things that I was doing, I was very faithful in my local church. I, I cannot stress that enough. I was faithful. I was a tithe. I was an off. I'd do anything that that bishop wanted me to do. It was a done deal. As a matter of fact, a lot of things I did, he didn't even have to ask me to do. I was one of those kind of children that if I just see it needed done, I just blessed God. I went out in Jesus' name and I'd done it and didn't look for nobody to pat me on my back. I knew that Jesus was paying attention to all this, but all those things were pregnant within my spirit. At this time, I'm still working at IBM and some of the other places in corporate America that I was working. And, and, and every day, watch this. I'm trying to help some of you grow up here. I didn't say I would say it out loud, but in my spirit, in my mind, in my emotions, I was complaining because I couldn't understand why am I here, God? I didn't say it like that, but I was thinking those thoughts. Why am I at this job? Why can't I be doing ministry? There's a lot of work to be done, and here I am stuck at this job doing this, and I must have complained for as long as my brain can imagine. And one day, I'll never forget, it was a very defining moment in my life. One day, as I would every morning, I, there was a part of me, I thank God for a job, but there was a part of me like, when is ministry going to come? I didn't had all the great prophets, major and minor, that were prophesying these things to me. It was in my spirit, I'm dreaming these dreams. I'm just as pregnant as I could be. And one day I went into that command center. That's where I worked at. And as a young analyst, I went in that command center and that thing was back in my heart. Never spoke it off from my lips, but in my heart, I was fulfilling this level of immaturity. And I said to the Lord again, why am I here? And the Lord finally, I didn't, have you ever talked so much to God? He speaks back to you and it scares you because you weren't looking for him to say something. And then all of a sudden you got an answer, but you didn't realize that, oh, you answered me. Oh, Jesus. Kind of a moment. I had one of those, I didn't hear an audible voice, but it was in my spirit. And I heard this just as clear as I'm talking to you. Maximize with what I've already given you. And that scripture, Matthew 25, came before me. That's why it's still one of my favorite parables to this day. That there was a rich man that went out and he had a lot of wealth. And he gave uh, men and women according to their ability to handle things. He said he didn't give them all the same thing. He said he gave them according to their ability to handle it. Some he gave five. Others he gave two. Others he gave one. And then they had the responsibility to produce. When the Lord spoke that to me to maximize with what I had. Listen, look at pastor. I never brought up ministry ever again in my life to the Lord. I, as a matter of fact, that same day, I went down to Human Resource and asked them, what other classes can I take at this local job? In other words, if you're telling me to maximize, I'm going to be the best of the best of the best of the best that there is at the job that I'm in. And I began to shine. I was the man at the job. And I'll tell you the rest of that story at another time. Let's go to the next verse. I just want you to know that when you're maturing, you're not complaining. You got to know the difference. He says, we're hunted down. In other words, someone seems like they're always chasing us. But God's never going to abandon us. We get knocked down. Some of y'all don't think you can ever be knocked down. Oh, please. Ask Paul. Thing will put you down quick in a hurry. But you got to understand something. It ain't going to destroy you. Well, what's the purpose, pastor, of getting knocked down? Look at pastor. Pastor. Part of the body that getting knocked down that it builds up 
It builds up your thighs. It's a spiritual thing because your thighs is what's going to push you back up. You're developing one of the biggest muscles in your body when you fall down. I'm not just speaking natural. I'm in the spirit right now. Some of your failure, listen to me. I'm prophesying in this house. Some of your greatest hurt and failure, God allowed for the purpose that you could become strong in that area because there's ministry in that area in your life that you need to be able to help someone's people that have lost people that you authentically love and you can't understand why did this happen to me and not them. I didn't say God did it, but God allows it. But in your hurt, God will produce ministry. That way you can reach others that are going through what you have gone through. So God will develop your spiritual body in order that you can become a better serving to him but if you complain about getting knocked down you'll never know what it's like to ever get back up and if you don't know what it's like to get back up how can you ever tell somebody who is down how to get up so you got to learn how it feels at times to feel like you're down tell your neighbor but don't live there baby don't live there didn't say you weren't going to get knocked down, but man, get back up. Don't let that hurt that is temporal define you that you're not going to become more than what you were. Let the people laugh at you. They laughed at Jesus. Oh, but he had the last laugh. You're going to have the last laugh, but you got to make up in your mind, my temporary problem is not all of my destiny. I'm just here right now. Touch two people and tell them, but I ain't going to stay here. I'm not staying here. It's only over when the Lord says it's over. And if he didn't say it's over, man, you, woman, you got something in you. God is about to use you. And you walking around complaining. Stop all that complaining. Just know that God is about to do something in you. Don't worry about what everybody else is getting. God's got your back. He'll bring you into what you need. Relax. Grow up to stage three. How many ready to go to the next level? Stand on your feet. I got to get out of here. <laughs> Some of y'all are looking like, Lord, he must have talked to somebody in this church. I did. The Holy Ghost. We talk often. I'm trying to help some of you just grow. That's all I'm trying to do. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have moments where you knock down to stage two or stage one. Just don't stay there. Get up. People of God, the next several weeks is going to challenge everything in you. When you see what's really required of stage three, some of you all may decide, I don't know if I really want to go to stage three, but can I help you? The, there's a level of blessings in stage three you can't get at stage two. Can I, can I pull on your natural emotions for just a moment? Maybe it was just me. I don't know. Was there anybody else in here when you were 14 and 15 and you wanted to drive a car? Anybody remember this? How, how many remember 14, 15? Or at least 15 for some. I was driving much earlier. But how many remember you couldn't wait to get a car? How many remember if you had your driver's permit? You wanted to take that parent everywhere because that was your time to drive <laughs> and you wanted to run errands you want me to go to store folk could be asleep want me to go to store knock 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 want me to go to store because <laughs> you were hoping 
they would say, because I mean, I, my, my folks would say, you know you can't drive. I said, well, you know I've been driving since I've been 10. Because I did. My dad had us all driving very, very early in life. And so I really knew how to drive well, very, very well. We were driving because my father had a very large business of a dump truck, 18-wheelers. And so at 15, I knew how to, if my brother came home for lunch while he was in there sleeping, that he shouldn't have been. But that's a whole nother issue. He'd leave the truck running because the air pressure would fall. If not, he didn't want to wait. I would get in that 18-wheel truck during lunchtime and, and drive it. And he never knew. I'd pull off real slow. And I knew how to do fun things that I shouldn't have been doing. I'd go down places and hit my air brakes to make the trailer because it had no load on it. So you would hear, pop, 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 pop. And I'd go next to my friend's house. And if they were out anywhere around that time, I'd hit that air horn and scare them to death. And then I would look at them like, watch this. But when I got my license, and that was a norm, I complained about going to the store that I just a year ago I wanted to go to. What I would say in me is, why can't he go? I went all week last week. Now, where I come from, you couldn't have that face. I'm just giving you all the analogy. Because I lived in a generation they didn't allow those faces. <laughs> if you thought it, you better think it in your mind. While you were smiling, you'd be like, oh, I got to go. <laughs> yeah, I go. Oh, praise the Lord. I don't want to go. <laughs> I'm going, yes. But in me, like, why can't you go? Why? Because it became normal. Listen. Falling backwards is going to be part of your growing up. But you got a desire to want more than what you have. If I were to take a poll here right now and ask you, how many you really want to really tap into deep things? I'm not talking about that you could be a, a wonder and everybody can look and, ooh, she's deep, he's deep. No, no, that, I'm, I'm going to deal with that. It ain't, it ain't for that reason. See, the higher you go up is for one purpose, is to serve more people. Your suffering is actually an indicator of how many people actually you can actually serve. That's a deep thing, and I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. What you go through that hurts the most, got to overcome it, is an area that God can actually use you in to help others that are going through it. But if you can't overcome it, you cannot be used in that area. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It just simply means you're not ready to give out of your hurt because you're still complaining about what has happened. I don't want to stay here because my time has really been up nine minutes ago. But I've watched people that have been in relationships that are no longer in relationships. If the person you were once in a relationship with, every time you talk, you got to talk about him or her, you, they, they live in rent-free in your head. <laughs> some of y'all are guilty. I'm looking at some. Y'all done got married and went on and still talking about what they did. Do you know what they did? They in your head, honey. You in stage one. You got to come out of that thing. You ought to be happy you ain't in it anymore, but that's a whole nother issue. But you must like, anyway, I'll stop. I'll, I'll keep going here. I want you to grow, people. That's all I want. I don't ask you for your money. I don't ask you to buy me anything. My only desire is to see this congregation take something for the glory of God. 
I said things before you because I, God have given me the grace to do it. When I look at a city that is hurting, and I look at a church that's not involved in changing the hurt of that city, then we're just having a good time in the church. But that's not the real definition of what the church is really about. And if you want to be in a place that don't want to fight and battle, but you'd rather be in a place where they can entertain you, I'm not mad at you. This pro you're never going to be comfortable here because I'm going to always press you. I'm always put, I'm going to agitate you until you want more. When we start getting into discipline in stage three, you're going to see it lived out in your own life, whether or not you really are stage three. Because a lot of you think you're stage three, you're not. And I'm going to prove it by way of your disciplines or the lack thereof. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, we thank you. We realize we need you. Because without you, we can do nothing. But in you, we can do all things. So our hearts are, are just broken before you right now. We want your will more than we want our lives. And Father, I pray that this is the prayer of every believer right here, right now. That God, use us more than we want to be used. Put in us a desire to do your desires. Let your will be in us lived out. That way our will is your will. And while here's about an eye... We hope this message has been a blessing in your life. To hear more inspiring, transformative messages, visit glorytoglory.org and make sure you follow and like us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.